Okay, Judges chapter 9. Hopefully you've made your way there. As we continue through the book of Judges, remember Judges aren't, think of it, here come the judge, uh, the guy in the black robe with the gavel. They're more heroes, uh, redeemers, um, you know, uh, helping the people. And so that's what they were, they are. But um, tonight we're going to look at the opposite of that. We have one that takes over a rule that's just the opposite, that leads the people in to greater sin and greater judgment, really. Um, and uh, so we have an unusual detour, if you would, or a side look at another person um, in, the, in, uh, in Judges here. Now, remember last time we left off with Gideon, and we spent chapters 6, 7, and 8 on the great work of Gideon. I mean, remember Gideon doing the impossible work. 300 guys with torches and horns and uh, against uh, 135,000 soldiers. So, um, you know, with camels and the latest weaponry of the day, uh, swords and all those kind of accompanying things and the weapons. And these guys... Uh, went down there with nothing, with no offensive weapons at all. As a matter of fact, just something to blow to make it loud and a light. So, you know, a flashlight and an air horn. <laughs> I don't know, in our day and age, right? Think of it as a, a flashlight and an air horn. And that's all they had against 135,000 troops that have been romping them and stealing them and oppressing them for years and years and years. And so, great battle, great work we read last time. Uh, a few chinks in the armor, so to speak, of Gideon. Um, you know, uh, he said, they, they let just make you king. And he said, no, the Lord's king. But remember, he got some gold and he kind of lived like a king. As a matter of fact, let's, let's just look, let's start, uh, get a running start and back from last week. Look at Judges uh, chapter 8, verse 29. Let's, let's read what happened at the end of Gideon because it kind of, transitions into what we're reading in uh, chapter 9 tonight. So Judges 8.29 says, Then uh, Jerubal, the son of Joash, or that's another name for Gideon, remember, went and dwelled in his own house. And Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was from Shechem, also bore him a son whose name was Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of, his, tomb of Joash, his father, and Ophrah and the Azurezites. Verse 33, so it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel play, again played the harlot with Baals and made Baal Bereth their god. Thus the children of Israel did, not, Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubal, which is Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. So remember last time, he had lots of sons. Now to have 70 sons means you have to have a lot of wives, uh, just a lot of wives, because uh, that's not counting all the daughters that he, that he had. And he could have had twice as many daughters, we don't know. But there was a lot of wives, and we know he did receive a a kingly-sized prize of gold after that. But, you know, he did that, and we read about that. But we get now the name in chapter 8 of one of his sons. Now, notice she was 
born, he was born from a concubine. Now, let's just remember in, in those days when they had multiple wives, a lot of times it was if a person was uh, kind of powerful or, uh, you know, a leader of some kind, a king certainly would have a lot because uh, instead of signing treaties like we do, you know, the president goes over to Europe and signs a treaty and makes a treaty with Japan and makes a treaty with... What they would do in, in those days is they would just marry each other's daughters. And then the idea was, hey, we're at peace with you here. I'll give you my daughter. She can become your wife. And therefore, we're family. And family doesn't go to war. Yeah, well, you haven't been <laughs> too many families. But you know what I mean? They're not going to fight. They're not going to want to conquer each other because the idea is there's a connection there. So instead of signing papers and treaties and agreements like we do today, uh, and it's still done what we're talking about in the world today in some places. Uh, so they would marry. And so he was acting like a king. So, you know, the surrounding groups, because of his great victory, probably said, hey, you know, we're this, uh, you know, group of people over here. Hey, why don't you marry one of my daughters? And, uh, you know, we can be aligned. And, and that's what happened with Gideon, and he had all this. But then there was a concubine. Now, a concubine generally, this is kind of how I look at it, okay? It's probably not the strict biblical uh, you know, theological definition of it. But this is how I look at it, okay, for what it's worth. So here's a guy that's powerful, and he sees a girl that he's very attracted to. And I imagine she's a very attractive woman. So, but she's not anybody. Her, her family's not important. It's not something that she would marry off into somebody. But he was attracted to her. So he would take her, and she wouldn't really get the status of a wife, because she really doesn't have any status in society, so she would become a concubine. Uh, and, you know, generally in a wife, as we think of it in our terms today, but really didn't have the same status as a wife, because generally they weren't uh, people of any kind of notoriety or power, but I'm sure they were very beautiful. That's how I look at a concubine. So Gideon picks up one of these gals that he sees who is from Shechem. And she bore him a son. So we know Abimelech, out of the 70 sons, we only know one name so far, and that's Abimelech. And we'll find out a name of another son, and then after that, they'll kind of fall off the pages of Scripture. We won't run into any of the sons of Gideon after this uh, chapter here. Okay, so now we know that there's a son that he has, Gideon has, that lives in Shechem. Verse 1 of chapter 9. Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, which is Gideon, remember, went to Shechem to his mother's brothers and spoke to them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubbabel reign over you, or that one reign over you? Remember that I am your own flesh and, blo uh, flesh and bone. And his mother's brothers spoke to all, all, the, all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So Abimelech uh, has, is, is a son of Gideon. Now when Gideon died, as we just read, now all of a sudden there's 70 sons. Well, who's going to take his place? Because he was, in a sense, um, though he wouldn't take the title, he was kind of like the king, even though he didn't have that title. And so, again, um, you know, there was some amb ambition. Abimelech wanted to lead. He wanted to step up 
And we would say today, you know, he had political aspirations. He wanted to run for office. He wanted to lead. So what he did was he, he goes to his mom's family. Hey, I want to lead. I'm a great leader. Why don't you talk to all the other people? And I'll, you know what? Instead of having 70 people, you know, telling you what to do, why don't you just have me? I'm connected to, you know, you guys or to the, to the area and, uh, you know, make me king uh, instead of those 70 people. And so, you know, again, you know, the people are connected to him. Uh, so they think, sure, let's do it. We're connected to him more than anybody, any of the other 70 sons. So is that good? Does that make him a good leader? What have we learned thus far in our journey through the Old Testament on Wednesday night about leaders, people leading God's people? Who chooses them? The people? Do they vote like we do? Do they kind of pick it out? Well, we're closely related. Let's get the person closely related to us and get them, you know, ruling everything. I mean, what have we learned from the beginning of Genesis that God has chosen who should lead, right? It wasn't to the people. It wasn't to be an election. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, running for office like they're doing now. And, you know, vote for me. They come and knock on your door and say, hey, this is what I want to do as a new supervisor, a city councilman. And we kind of choose and all that. No, 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 no. The Lord says, you know, and all we've learned so far is I choose and appoint the leaders. And again, um, that wasn't even a consideration with his people, which we'll be, be able to see later on. And they're just looking at what's good for them. Because, you know, if he's kidding, just think about it on the natural, right? Well, he knows us. And we're kind of connected to either his family or we know his family or we know, you know, some, we lived in the area or grew up in that same kind of area. If he leads us, that'll be good for us because he'll take care of us before anybody else. So, of course, that was appealing to him in, in one sense. But you notice that the Lord is never considered in this. They don't go to the Lord. As a matter of fact, we read in the last chapter, that they really abandoned the Lord and they're just doing their own thing. And so now they're appointing their own, own leaders. How do you think that's going to work out? But let's just take a, sec, a step back from that a second and just think for a minute. You know, think about our own lives. How do we vote? I mean, really, because that, that's how we elect, you know. Do we pray for, prayerfully, I'm sorry, you know, go before the Lord before election time. You know, November is going to be here and around the corner. We're going to be doing our election thing. I mean, do we, you know, go to the Lord. Lord, who would you like to be in office? Now, again, we're not working under the Old Testament and the Old Covenant system and all that stuff. We live in a, you know, under the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus. And, you know, we're ambassadors. This isn't our home. But, you know, the Lord also tells us that, you know, we're responsible and we follow the laws of the land and all that that we should do. And so, again, do we pray for Who do we vote for? Um, you know, do we vote for people because we know their friends and family, particularly in local elections, right? You know, because we're connected with them and we've seen them or we've heard of them. Or, we talk, or do we, Lord, who do you want us to vote for? That's always a good thing to remember. We, we want the Lord in the midst of those who lead us, don't we? And we know what it's like when we have those that don't. And we, that's about all we see anymore anyway. Anyway, but um, again, these guys didn't consult the Lord at all. 
We always bring the Lord in and ask his leading on all those things. It's important for today. Okay, so they elect uh, him. Uh, this area of Shechem says, yep, we want you to lead. And so this is what they do, verse 4. So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from where? The temple of Baal Bereth, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. <laughs> Okay, yep, we want you to lead us. And so here is a pretty good substantial amount of money uh, because we're giving it to you because now you are our king or you're our leader. Now, where did they get the money from? Again, from this temple of this idol. We can see very clearly in this whole chapter that the Lord is pretty much absent. And we can see what happens to a group of people and maybe let's just expand it to a nation that leaves God completely out of the picture. And again, that's probably not surprising anybody in this room. But again, first we see he's out of the picture. They're worshiping idols, and they give him the money. And, and again, you know, um, how do you think it's going to go when they don't go to the Lord for any kind of guidance? And In fact, they give support from a place that's completely apart from the Lord, Right? So what kind of leader are they going to get out of this Abimelech? And the bottom line is God's going to give the people who they desire and who they really deserve. And that's a sad day. Is that you want this and this is what you really desire, then I'll give that to you and let's see how that works. You know, I was just, for a side note, in fact, I was talking to Annabelle today about this, uh, driving over to a doctor's appointment. And I was reading in the paper, I think it was today or yesterday, I can't remember, um, that California had the highest poverty rates in the nation. We are number one in the nation for people living in poverty. Um, They also went on to say how California has some of the lowest performing schools in the nation. We're not quite at the bottom, but we're pretty close to the bottom. We have some of the highest taxes out of any state. We're up there you know, near the top. And we have a very high debt. And the state is controlled pretty much by all one political party. So it's not because of you know, these fractions in the political parties that this is going on. And so at the end of the day, we get what we deserve. People can't get by. Uh, people aren't doing good in school. Uh, you're paying even more in taxes and things aren't going... Why? Because the Lord's out of the picture. And even in our own state and certainly in our nation, it's just growing and growing and growing in that way. We can see the fruit of all that, just as we'll see it here in a smaller scale in Judges chapter 9. You know, again, the question we have to ask ourselves as well is, you know, who do we allow to rule in our own lives? You know, we, we looked at it on a broad scale, but, you know, again, there's things that we allow in our lives to rule us, and we need to be careful. We don't want to instill any uh, Abimelechs in our lives that, you know, we follow after that passion or that thing or that desire that's not of the Lord. Um, again, we have to be careful what we allow to rule in our own lives individually as well. And uh, again, beware 
you know, what we allow or who we allow to rule over us. Well, they're giving him money, and the first thing he does is he goes out and hires mercenaries, a small army to do whatever he wants to do. Now, it's, it's kind of foreign to us because, remember, in those days there wasn't any police force, and there really wasn't any kind of regular army. Uh, if there was a war or a problem, uh, you know, the Lord would raise up somebody, and they, or even a nation, if it had a king, you know, surrounding, they would call people, you know, farmers and, you know, business people and, you know, tr- you know, donkey drivers or whatever. Everybody would just go to war. Everybody that could physically go to war would go to war. So there was no army you know, there at all. People had to kind of band together and then go out and do that. So when this guy had this small army around him, you know, he was pretty powerful. So he he gets mercenaries and he gets the bottom of the barrel people, right? As it says here, and let's see what the first thing he does with money and power now. Verse five, then he went to his father's house in Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubbabel on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, which is, again, Gideon, remember, that was kind of the name he was given, uh, a nickname, if you would, was left because he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together at Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the Timberth tree at the pillar that was, at, that was in Shechem. So maybe this gives you some idea here what's going on. He takes his army, and the first thing he does is he goes where all his, his brothers are, uh, and uh, in Oprah there, and he kills every single one of them. You know, uh, again, why does he do that? So that nobody else would have claim to the throne, right? You get the idea. There's, um, you know, he didn't want somebody else saying, yeah, but I'm a son of Gideon, so I have as much right to rule over people. He just wiped them all out and killed them all, except for this one named Jotham, and we'll talk about him in just a minute here. He escapes. He was the youngest one, and maybe he was pretty small or something, and he was able to get out or something. It doesn't tell us, but he was... Uh, uh, able to get out from underneath this invasion, if you would, of killing every single one of them. And, and he took them and killed them all in one place. So obviously the, this army he, he hired rallied them all up, gathered them in one place, and he killed them one by one. Um, again, that was a very common practice in history. It's a common practice actually today even in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you get rid of anybody that could be a threat to you. Um, remember, uh, what, was it the, the president, the leader, the emperor, whatever his title is, I don't even know, of North Korea? Remember where he uh, was in the airport somewhere and he, he poisoned his half-brother in the airport by some woman raving something by him and killed him, uh, right? A rival. I mean, it happens today. Uh, it was his half-brother and he killed him. Yeah, so again... Point is, it's going on even in, in our day and age, not maybe as bloody. But of course, you know, again, what a completely godless act, right? Killing innocent people so that you can hold on to power. And, and does this tell you something about the people? So he went and did that. And after that act, remember, look at verse 6. He, he comes back to the men of Shechem, gathered them together. They kind of go out a little bit to this Beth Milo, and there they made him king beside the timber tree that was 
at the pillar in Shechem. The, the people, when he comes back from this evil, wicked deed, they come back and embrace him. And I just want you to know the condition of the hearts of the people. They come back and embrace him and say, oh, come on, let's take you to this place. And it was an important place, by the way. They take him and, and make him king. This, this um, was mentioned, this place is mentioned it, uh, as Abraham, when he came into the promised land, he went to Shechem and he went to this timber tree in Shechem. So it was a, probably a very well-known spot. We know Jacob stayed there. We know Joshua. As a matter of fact, I'll read the verse in Joshua here. 24:25 says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a, st a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Jesh Joshua wrote these words in a book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree that was the sanctuary of the Lord. So again, probably this same tree or near this same tree or group of trees where Abraham and Jacob and, and Joshua set up this big stone and put the, the, the law of the Lord there. Here they are bringing it. So it's a place of importance. And so that's what they're doing. They're bringing them to this very important place. But in a, in a completely opposite way of Abraham or, or Jacob or even Joshua, they make him king. And it was very clear to the people, if they didn't know exactly what they were getting into at the time, when they gave them the money, it was abundantly clear <laughs> after they gave him the money, and when they saw that he killed those, well, 69 or maybe 68 innocent men, his brothers, uh, so that he would um, be king without any kind of challenge. How do you think it's going to work out for them? Choosing him to rule over him. This ruthless, uh, evil kind of person. It just will not ever go well. I mean, you know that. You, you, you choose to allow something to rule over you that's godless and based in this world. It's just never going to end well. And so they still make him king there and in a very official fashion there after that horrific act. Now, verse 7. Now, when Jotham, now, uh, when they told Jotham, that that's, you know, Gideon's surviving son, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out. So now, where they were kind of making him king, you might remember back in Joshua, even Moses told us, remember sometime back, Moses said, hey, when you go into the promised land, I want you to go on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and I want you to talk about the blessings, and then you say the cursings if you don't follow me, what's going to happen, and, and set up a memorial there. So this was a very important place when they came into the land, and, and it was a place where he could talk. And so this Jotham, when they're kind of making him king, he gets up on the, the hilltop somewhere overlooking them and, and, yell, and kind of shouts out what will be really the first parable in the Bible. And so let's... Let's read what he said to them. He said, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said, uh, said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go and sway over trees? Then, they said, uh, then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit 
and go and sway over trees? Then the trees said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men and go to sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, think of it as a tumbleweed, okay? (laughs) That's a bramble. You come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the tree, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. Now, what tree is going to get shade from a tumbleweed, right? You can see the parable kind of here, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, we'll talk about it in a minute. He's going to explain it. But again, the first parable, so you have the olive tree, you have the fig tree, you have the vine. If you got the idea is they were worthy rulers, um, but who rejected ruling over people because it was, it was the Lord. And the Lord said, I'm going to be your ruler. He never wanted anybody else to, to rule over him as a king. He said, I will do that. So the worthy rulers rejected being a ruler as God told them to. And so that's kind of the parable here. And so now he's going to kind of explain it here in verse 16 through 21. He says, Now, therefore, if you have acted in truth and in sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubal and his house and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. But you have risen up against my father's house this day, and I totally lost my place. Is that bad? <laughs> oh, house this day, and have killed, sorry about that, the 70 sons on one stone, and made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. If then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jerubal and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice. But if not... Let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo to devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled, and he went to Beer and dwelt there for the fear of Abimelech, his brother. Now, one thing is clear. Jotham didn't head to the bar with all the stress. Beer means well, by the way. So he went to a city that was known for its well. Okay, that's not alcohol. <laughs> he went to get a beer after that. No, no, no. He went to a well. Okay, that's just that's what beer means in the Bible, by the way. Yeah, it's just well. <laughs> so he went to a, and there's a number of cities around there that are known for their wells. So again, what the Lord does is use Jotham to to give them a parable or a story to illustrate what they were doing that they wouldn't pick anybody worthy to rule over them. They would rather pick this tumbleweed who said, I'll give you shade, which is impossible for a tumbleweed to give tree a shade, right? Or this bramble, if you would, this weed. And, 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 and he said, and if they don't do what this tumbleweed wants, then fire is going to come out of him. And, and then Josh, Jotham kind of explains it. He said, listen, if you did right... If you do what you sh- if, if those guys deserve to die, then good, everything will go well with you. But if you're doing what's wrong, watch out, you guys. You're going to find yourself under some ruthless ruler who is going to devour you, and then in his own sin, in his own way, in his own reaping, 
um, his own sowing will come back reaping on his on his head. So let me tell you, if they didn't know um, uh, what they were doing was outside or against what the Lord wanted, they're certainly warned right now. See, none of the people that were worthy were wanted to lead, but the bramble bush of the tumblewill was was um, was willing, and he said he'll eventually burn him. Let me just make an application for this as well, uh, as far as leadership, you know, in, in today's, and in, in spiritual leadership. Let me just make application to that for a moment. You know, a true Christian leader or spiritual leader will always point you to the Lord. Remember that. That, that is foundational in everything and anything you do. Um, where people get into trouble is, and where cults kind of raise up, and these friend group, fringe groups is they want you to follow them. Uh, remember that. If, if, it's, uh, it's, if it's about uh, this is what we do and here's the group of people that we go to and they have published this book or these set of rules and this is what we have to do. And they're always talking about the leadership of the church, the hierarchy way up and maybe some other state somewhere or some other place. And they have this book, and they come down, and we have to follow that. And if it's always talking about that and those people, run. (laughs) Don't walk, run from there. Because a true spiritual leader will always point you to the Lord and not to themselves. And again, uh, uh, the cults and the fringe groups and the things that are not of the Lord will always lead you to a person or a group of people or a book or something else. Um, and, and say that's the spiritual thing you need to embrace. And then if you embrace that, then you're in good standing with God. Can I give you the buzzer? <laughs> Wrong. Uh, and again, you know, Abimelech, it's all about me. Be careful. Well, uh, again, uh, if you do right, then you'll be okay. If not, well, you're going to reap what you sow. Let me, again, make another application for us personally here. You know, what a person allows to rule over their lives, if it's something other than the Lord, it will be a cruel taskmaster. It it will enslave you and, and put you in bondage, and it is very cruel. And that's why, you know, we need to be careful uh, that we don't, uh, you know, allow things in our lives that rule over us. And, and let me tell you, they can be simple things that we've done our whole life, like your feelings. So you follow wherever you feel. If you don't like that person because they didn't smile at you, or this person did this, and, and that's the way you live life by how you feel. Any particular day is how you act and live and what you do. Then that's a very cruel taskmaster. That's bondage that's, that, you know, is a slave to that. You know, people, you know, let, allow a success to rule over them. I have to have more and get more, and so they work harder and harder. And I was reading about this, this gal that became CEO um, of a big company, um, and I can't remember the name of it, and she was, she's about my age. Um, and she was talking about, you know, being a woman and not being able to get success in the, in the 80s when she started and, you know, this and that and choosing between working and a family, uh, you know, and they told her, listen, if you want to be successful, you can't have children. And, you know, there's this whole HI human interest story going on. And, and again, you know, it was, um, uh, and I, I don't know her from anything, and that's the point is not about what she did, but just 
how, you know, life was kind of focused on being successful, 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 and she's successful, but what a horrible taskmaster. Yeah, you're a CEO, and you made it hard and worked hard. There was no question about it. She probably worked harder than hard, but now you get there, what do you got? You got to work more. You got to keep it, and it's just a terrible taskmaster. Or your emotions, you know, or your plans or desires. I really want this. And so you follow that emotion or that feeling or that desire. I want this. I want that. I really want to get married or I really want to get divorced or I really want to have this or whatever it is. And you're following that desire and it's a horrible taskmaster. We sit back and we say, no, Lord, what, what do you want? Where do you want us? I don't want to follow my feelings and my emotions. I don't want to follow those things, those passions. I want you to rule in my life. Because anything else is going to be a terrible, it's going to be an Abimelech. And that doesn't work out well. So he does that and says that, and he becomes a, a cruel taskmaster. Let's, let's read what happens. So they got him up there. You know, uh, he gets a warning from the Lord from Jotham. The people get a warning from the Lord, everybody involved in all this. And let's see how it all works out now. That's kind of the rest of the chapter. And we're going to read kind of in bigger chunks here. So verse 22, follow along with me. Now Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years. God sent a spirit of ill between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Uh Uh-oh. From loving him to hating him that the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel uh, might be settled in their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and the men of Shechem, who aided him in killing his brothers. And the men of Shechem sought out an ambush against him on the hilltops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way, and it was told to Abimelech. Now notice... The problems, the sin, all that they were passionate and looking and hoping, this is our brother, we're connected, things are going to go well. You know what? The chickens don't come home to roost for three years, but they will eventually come home to roost. It may not happen, everything turning topsy-turvy or upside down the next day or the next week or the next year after allowing something to rule in the lives that's not for the Lord, but it'll eventually come out. And it's three years here now, they're, they're, they're starting to hate him. And again, uh, the Lord allowed, as the result of their choice, there was going to be some ill feelings there. The devil had his field day. And again, you can see what kind of people these guys are that lived in this whole area of Shechem. They started robbing the trade routes, stealing from people, and now it's becoming a problem to Abimelech who hears about it, who's ruling. If you allow someone who is treacherous to rule over you, well, that treachery will come back to them. They're allowing a treacherous person to rule over them. You don't think at some point he's going to be treacherous to them? That's what you reap what you sow, right? And so let's read what happened. So Gaal, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem, And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from the vineyards and trodden them and made merry. So they threw a party. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is 
uh, Abimelech? And who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubal? Is not um, Zubal his officer? Serve the men of, uh, of Hamor, the father of Shechem? But why should we serve them? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. So again, now the people of Shechem dislike and even probably hate Abimelech. And so this guy comes into town, and somehow he's connected with the area over there. And they said they throw this big party. They, you know, they make some wine. They start drinking. They're in this you know, house of this idol that they worship over there. And now the people want to make him, him leader. And again, he does some tr- tough words you know, when he's drinking, right? <laughs> Basically, he's doing this. Can I just put it in this way, in our terms? If you just elect me, all your problems will be solved. Kind of sounds like the politicians today, right? Hey, here's all these problems today. If you elect me, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of your... That's kind of what he's doing at this big party, right? And if you elect me... They're not electing him, obviously. But if you want me, man, that'll be good for you. It's not going to be like Abimelech. Again, nothing new under the sun. Still happens today. So, verse 30 says, When Zubal, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. Now, we'll see there's a spy in the midst of all this party in here. Verse 31, And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gaal, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem. And here they are, fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as you find opportunity. So Zubal is spying for Abimelech. Here's all these guys um, trash-talking Abimelech, if you would, and he sends a message over to Uh, to Abimelech and says, listen, you can come catch these guys in the morning when they're not prepared and they're probably going to be way hungover from this party and they're not going to have their senses about them. So if you get all the guys, come by night and get over here, you'll be able to, to wipe out these guys. So let's find out what happens. Verse 34, so Abimelech, remember, you want a treacherous person over you? You don't think he's going to be treacherous back? Of course he is, because that's who he is. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. And when Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood at the entrance to the city gate, Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. So they're like, you know, think of like those guys that sneak up in the army, you know, and they get in those tumbleweeds, bushes on them and all that kind of stuff, and they kind of sneak up to the city, and that's kind of what's going on. They're, they're kind of coming into the city there. And it says, when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zubal, look, people are coming down from the tops tops of the mountains. But Zubal said, see, you see the shadows of the mountains as they were were men. In other words, crazy, that's not what that is. Again, good spy there. So Gaal spoke again, see, the people are coming down from the center of the land. And another company is coming from the diviner's Timberth tree. So there's a group coming from there. It looks like there's a group coming from there. Then Zubal said to him, 
Where indeed is your mouth now, and with which you said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight them now. So Gal went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him, and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt in uh, Armaah, and Zubal drove out Gal and his brothers, so they would not dwell in Shechem. And it came about the next day that the people went out into the fields, and they told uh, they told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and laid in wait in the fields. And he looked, and there were the people coming out of the city, and he arose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Now when the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth. So we see in place here the law of sowing and reaping. You know, you might remember back in the days, this is nothing new, by the way, but you remember, maybe remember back in the days of the Russian Revolution when the communists wanted to come into party and there was a group of people that killed the, the Russian um, uh, czars and all that stuff and they were trying to usher in the communist party and then when the communist party took over in Russia, they killed all those people. You know, so it was kind of the treachery and then you're, you're, you're wanting these evil and treacherous people to come in power, man, they're going to turn on you someday. And that's exactly what happened. And then, of course, you can read about Stalin's gulags in Siberia and Siberia. And, of course, you know, Mao Zedong, when he came into power, the millions of people that he killed. And, uh, again, you know, you have a ruthless, godless person ruling over you. Uh, how can anybody be surprised when they act that way towards you? And, um, of course, where do they run by the way, and I want you to see this because this is very important. Where do they run uh, when everything is down? They run into this stronghold or this strong tower. And, um, you know, in this temple of this god of Bereth that they worshipped. Um, you know, everything's falling down on them. Everything's coming, coming down, tumbling down, and they don't have, you know, any way of doing anything they run into this tower stronghold of this God Bareth. But let me remind you uh, of Psalm 61.3. Let, let us remind us who our stronghold, who our strong tower is. Remember the Lord in Psalm 63, 61.3 says, For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. They're rushing into this place of idolatry, and it'll crumble. When we're going through things, we rush into our strong tower who will save us from the enemy. And, and same with another verse, just a Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Again, um, you know, they're running into, as it says in verse 46, this, this stronghold from this temple and where they worship this idol, which we'll see will fall down in ruins. And we need to remember who our strong tower is, the Lord. Amen? So verse 47, let's, you know, uh, read this. And it says, 
Um, uh, and it was told Abimelech that the men of the tower of Shechem had gathered together. Then Abimelech went to Mount uh, Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down the burrow uh, from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder. And then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So uh, each of the people likewise cut down his own burrow and followed Abimelech, and they put it against the stronghold. And they set the stronghold on fire above the men, so that the people in the tower died, a thousand men and women. So now Abimelech kills the rest of those who opposed him, treachery for the treacherous. And again, you know, it's important to remember Uh, these guys chose him and desired him and thought this was the best thing. Again, um, uh, we'll finish up the rest of the chapter here, this treacherous meat. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped at Thebes and took it. And there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and the women and the people of the city fled and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it and drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to a young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, A woman killed me. So his young man thrust him through and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads. And them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. So the warning that was given out came to pass uh, the The reminder through that parable of look what you're doing. If you're doing what's right, things are going to go well. But if you're doing what's wrong and evil, that's going to come back on you. And that's exactly what happened. This man Abimelech had, you know, so much pride and evil. Even at the end of his life, you know, he's he's got this giant concussion or whatever. I don't know if he was on his last breath. And, 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 you know, he'd rather have his own sword bearer kill him, you know, than to have some reputation that a woman killed him in battle. And so that was the end of Abimelech. And I think, again, the, the picture in the story is pretty clear. Uh, you, you know, what they allowed to rule over them was evil and wickedness, and that only drew them into farther evil and wickedness. And again, I just want to remind us and, and remind our, uh, get our own you know, application for us too. Um, again, we need to be careful what we allow to rule over us. Now, I don't think anybody in this room would, ha- would ever come close to arguing You know, Lord, I know you're the one that should rule over me. You are the Lord. Uh, I'm not really even debating that, and that's not really the point. Uh, It's not leaving him for something else, but it's allow what we allow to creep into our lives to rule over us. That's not of the Lord. And again, it can be emotions. It can be passions. It can be desires. It could be a thing. It could be a person that you want to see, that you want to accomplish, that you want to be a part of, and... And you, and you kind of have such a, 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 a way of doing that, or that's part of your life in some way, how you live, 
that, you, you know, it becomes a natural thing. And we just need to rein that in and say, no, 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 I'm not going to follow my emotions. I'm not going to follow my passions. And I'm not going to pursue this desire, Lord, if it's not of you. Because at the end, it'll turn out just like this tower. It'll be all crumbled and turned to ash. And it'll be a big waste of my time and my life and my effort, my resources. It'll, it'll, it'll take something from my heart. And the Lord wants us to spare us of that. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be even a bad or a wrong thing. It could just be a thing that has too much influence over us. And we need to be careful of that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the warning of Jotham. That's the, the encouragement to us today is that we don't allow those things to creep in. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, uh, the story here, even though it's kind of a downer in a lot of ways, Lord. Um, not something that we would normally want to read and you know, leave here with great encouragement because um, it's really not the message there. And uh, though we like to always be uplifted, Father, but sometimes we need to be edified. We need to just be you know, nose to the grindstone kind of a thing. We need to hear that, and that's, that's good and fine and well because it's in your word. And uh, you tell us how it is, and you put it really in, in, in black and white, so to speak. So, so, Father, may we learn from this. May we see this bad example and learn not to follow after it. And I don't think that's the case for us, that we're even close to any of this, what's going on in these people. We're, we're, we're not linked to that. But, Father, we probably know people that are and, and that are headed and their passion and they're following this and they're allowing this to rule over their life that's just going to bring a lot of destruction. And, uh, you know, my... We uh, are the people that might just be able to speak into their lives and say, listen, the Lord has great things. Uh, and, and Father, we can remind them that you have great things and you love them and you died for them. And boy, all those great things and wonderful things, Father, that you've told us, and we could share with those that are maybe, you know, like the people of, of Shechem uh, that are, you know, allowing things that are just going to bring ruin to rule over them. Father, help us to be able to minister them and bring them to you, Father, that they allow you to be Lord, and that we would do the same, Father, that we would allow you to be Lord in our lives. So, Father, bless your people, Father. Continue, Lord, to work in and through their lives, and we thank you, Lord, that you remind us of these things because you love us. You tell us these things because you love us. You set up warning signs because you love us. And, and you have great things for us, Lord, and you want us to embrace that and enjoy the blessings that come from doing things and living the way you called us to. So help us to be encouraged in that as well, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you guys. Have a great evening. And um, read ahead 